So welcome everyone to this uh, talk this morning from Healthcare Informed or HCI. Uh, today I'd like to talk about digital health transformation and the pathway for community healthcare organisations. Um, my own background, just to introduce myself, my name is Claire Harney. Uh, I work with HCI as the Director of Digital Development uh, and I also work in RCSI as a Programme Director on Leading Digital Health Transformation. Uh, having worked in a number of hospitals and HICWA and the Department of Health and HSE over the over a number of years, uh, the past 25 years now at this stage. Um, so always involved around kind of things like information governance, standards around information management. Um, and I came to the conclusion fairly early on that there's got to be a better way to manage information in our health system uh, so that it serves us as healthcare workers and also serves our, uh, the people that we treat. Uh, so that's my own background. HCI itself, in case you're not familiar with the organisation, um, HCI works with health and social care providers nationally and internationally to support them to make intelligence driven decisions to attain, manage and improve quality, safety and regulatory compliance. We do this through a range of quality and safety professional services and digital transformation products and services. And here's the bit that I'm involved in significantly. So we offer a number of digital transformation products around your quality and patient safety management systems. As part of that, we, offer, we support health and social care organizations to develop quality management information systems to streamline and transform their quality and safety processes. In this session, I'm going to delve a little deeper into digital health transformation and how it can support community care in achieving the goals set out in Slauncher Care. And then moving swiftly on to the agenda. So just what I'm going to speak on today. So I'll talk a little bit about Slauncher Care uh, and, and, and the kind of impact that it, it has on CHOs and community care in general in Ireland. Um, digital health transformation, what is it? Why are we looking at digital health as the solution um, um, to, to some of the burdens that we face in healthcare? And how can we leverage technology as an enabler? How can we at HCI help with this? And then finally, any questions at the end? So Slauncher Care, uh, the tagline there is right care, right place, right time. And the right place of care delivery is shifting in accordance with the implementation and action plan for Slauncher Care for 2021 to 2023. And this shift is happening from acute care into community care. And we hear a lot about this in the media um, and indeed uh, at conferences lately that we need to shift care out of hospitals. But where do we shift it? And, and that is into community care. And just to pull a couple of uh, key items out of the implementation plan. Um, so you've got reform program one and two there and some of the projects, some of those key aspects that stand out as highly relevant here to this talk. Um, as part of these reforms, the work streams around these projects involve building health and social care services at a community level to meet the identified needs of local populations establishing 96 new community healthcare networks that will provide the foundation and organizational structures that will enable integrated care with primary and acute care partners, recruiting up to 7,000 more community-based community healthcare staff, building community capacity to provide services to people with a disability through both mainstream health services and specialist disability services, the scaling of community intervention teams, virtual wards in community sessions. These are just some of the planned work streams. On the flip side, under the same action plan, in relation to hospital and acute care, 
The goal is to reduce length of stay and encourage, encourage innovations in the shift of care to the community or provide hospital avoidance measures. So in a healthcare system under pressure with increasing demands from many angles, we're facing into winter. We have increasing instances of chronic disease. We have an aging population. Uh, we're, we're still uh, dealing with a pandemic. Uh, cyber threats are a constant and we have a need to continuously recruit and retain staff. So how do we find a way to keep on top of all this and deliver uh, excellence in care while still managing to remain compliant with standards um, and serve our population? So over the years, uh, I've looked at digital health as a, a solution, I guess, to help enable some uh, of the solving of these problems. And there's some definitions there on the screen. And really, the first one is kind of quite generic. Um, I like the health and healthcare in the context of digital societies. Um, I like this one best because we are all living in a digital society now at this stage. And you only have to look at things like banking uh, or, or public transport uh, to see the changes that have happened in, in the last, in, in really recent years. I would leave a bank fairly quickly if I had to go into a branch now to transfer money, I expect to be able to do it on an application. Similarly, I expect to be able to look on an app and see where taxis are in my locality, be able to order a taxi through the app, see who the driver is and when they're going to arrive. 10 years ago, that wasn't a possibility. Um, and, and these are changes that have happened quite dramatically in those industries. And we have to look and see, is there an opportunity for these types of solutions uh, to make a difference in healthcare and to enable us as healthcare providers to deliver care? So what are, what are the forces driving digital health adoption? So when we look at what's pushing us towards digital transformation, we have workforce changes. We have an increasing gig economy. Many workers are choosing to either work from home or work from different localities or want to be able to be mobile when they're working. And while that's not always feasible in healthcare, it is feasible in many roles. And so we have to adapt uh, to, to enable us to recruit and retain staff. We also have feminization of medical workforces. Globally, there's evidence to suggest that more and more women are coming into healthcare and remaining in healthcare throughout their lives, uh, including their lives in raising families, uh, and, and this requires us to bring flexibility into, into roles. And again, this can be difficult in healthcare when there are constraints on, on service delivery. We have technology trends, and that speaks to some of the other industries I spoke about, artificial intelligence, machine learning, mobile technologies, internet of things, analytics, and precision medicine. These are things that we often hear about in the media, but what are they and, and how can they actually enable us and one of my key one of my key mantras is that any sort of digital service or solution must work around us to enable us to do our jobs. It can't be the other way around. In the past, we would implement technology and then have to adjust our jobs uh, in order to use that technology because it was required to deliver reporting. That doesn't work. Um, so. Technology should be an enabler and really digital transformation is more about transformation rather than the technology. So there are forces also pulling us towards digital transformation. And these are some of the things that we hear about quite often as well about our aging population. So people are getting older um, in general, our demographic is getting older. We have people living for longer with uh, chronic illnesses. 
managing those illnesses in the home. And we have to change in order in order to be able to care for those people. On the other end of the spectrum, we have digital natives, people, our younger population who have been born digital, really. Um, they're able to use a mobile phone or a tablet before they can write. And they're teaching us um, that their expectation is that they can access services via applications and that they'll have access to their health information and be involved in decision making around that. Expectations are also changing and pulling us towards finding solutions. The need for value-based care, demonstrating that the care we're providing is not only value for money, but also more importantly, value for people. We, we need to increase wellness. And there is an expectation that that, that wellness can, can remain with people as their, their care provision in the home is given um, to stop them from ending up in the hospital environment. And we have those changing patterns of Ill, Ill health, management of chronic disease at home, people living longer with multi-comorbidities. Uh, and so I'm going to look at how digital health can act as an enabler uh, in response to these forces. So why is this important? What does it enable? So it enables connected care, again, with a mobile population who, who need to be able to access care uh, wherever they are. Um, we, need to, we need to be able to provide connected care so that the scan I may have had down in Kerry is accessible when I'm back in Dublin um, and, and somebody there needs to see the scan I had down in Kerry. Um, we do have some of that in place in Ireland through, for example, NIMIS. Um, but again, it's a little bit disjointed. Um, my GP certainly can't access my hospital records at the moment. Um, and these are things that we need to, to look at changing in order to truly be able to deliver care in the community that's connected. Ambulatory care, again, being able to provide care in multiple locations. Citizen centricity. So the care is following the patient. You've probably heard the term money follows the patient uh, in the past. And that was something that, that you know, we, we looked at as a policy for a long time. But true citizen centricity would mean that the, the care also follows the patient and that they are at the centre of all decision making around care. In order to be able to do that, we need access to the information about that person in the right place at the right time to be able to deliver care. Precision medicine is where we're able to deliver the right treatment first time, uh, you know, without much delay. And again, we need access to information to be able to do that and to be able to calculate what the right treatment is. Participatory health, where we start to bring people into healthcare decision making and allow them to make decisions around their own care. What this enables then is cost savings. So if it's done correctly, uh, digital transformation can enable significant cost savings. We often think of the, the cost of big electronic health records and the national electronic health record, but really providing some small solutions um, that, that build efficiencies into the system allow us to save money in the long run because we're saving time. We need, we need our people in healthcare not to be burdened by those administrative requirements that are really important to show compliance, um, but their job, their core job is care delivery. So we can leverage digital health as an enabler to ensure that we're saving money, but also saving on efficiencies so that people are actually free to deliver care. And this results in an improved experience for providers and for patients, and then in turn, improved outcomes. And there's a lot more, and there's a lot of evidence out there um, that wellness is also improved um, over time 
when people's care delivery is efficient, uh, cost efficient, um, and, and they're getting the right treatment first time. So in relation to quality and patient safety, uh, which is what the core of what HCI would be looking at uh, in community care, how could this apply to transforming the quality and patient safety such that the foundation is in place to ensure that those goals in Slauncher Care can be met or even exceeded? So to take one example, standards require clear documentation of policies, procedures and guidelines with evidence that staff are aware of and following those procedures and guidelines. And of course, following up to date and relevant guideline feeds into the improvements that you can see here onto the slide. So it is challenging with a growing and mobile workforce that we may have in community care. It's challenging to ensure that all healthcare workers are engaging with guidelines. And I'll highlight one service that we provide that enables access as well as demonstration of engagement and compliance with PPGs and other importance of quality and patient safety management. So there's a cyclical kind of uh, structure here. Compliance with standards, while it may be very onerous and administratively burdensome on an organization, compliance with standards is helping to ensure that best practice is in place. And it's also helping to ensure that you can achieve citizen expectations or meet expectations. And this leads to improved patient safety, something that we're all uh, supportive of, but also an improved work environment improved outcomes and experience, and in turn, improved efficiency. We don't have a bottomless pit of funding and we don't have a bottomless pit, pit of people. Um, I think it's quite a lofty goal to recruit 7,000 people into uh, community care in Ireland. You know, there is a shortage of staff, so we need to find a way to leverage technology to help us. So one example of how HCI can help to, to achieve this so I'd like to introduce the HCI Knowledge Portal, and this is powered by QPulse, um, an intelligence engine around quality and patient safety that some of you may be familiar with. Um, so you can see here um, the QPulse uh, window that, that you may be familiar with, the typical interface of QPulse. But using the power of that engine, HCI have created a portal that enables easy access to your quality and patient wow. safety system. Um, so the portal itself, uh, has a number of components to it. Um, so you've got your policies, procedures and guidelines library that you can see there. And apologies, I'm looking at my other screen when I look at this. Um, that's where all of your policies, procedures and guidelines are stored. And I will delve into that one as an example um, during my slides. You've also got incidents and occurrence reporting for incident and risk management reporting of those. We've got a suite of training modules to enable the recording uh, of manual, or sorry, mandatory training um, and optional training, but also the, the efficient recording of training and training attendance, uh, and also the analysis of training compliance um, for all staff members, no matter where they are. We've also got a risk register in there uh, and surveys, and there are many other modules that can be added. So to look in particular into one of those, I'll go into the PPG library. And within that, what you see there are icons that are very easy to understand and quickly figure out what you would be looking for. So this differs from what you might be used to seeing when you're looking for PPGs. This is mobile enabled. So a mobile workforce can access policies, procedures and guidelines wherever they are from a mobile device or a tablet or whatever it is that they have with them. 
they're grouped according to your needs. So this is an example of a grouping of policies, procedures and guidelines. But there are over 200 different icons that can be used in order to enable the, the quick search um, for people to find any PPGs they might be looking for. So as they click on those, they'll drill down or if they know the name of a document, they can always uh, search for it. On the other side of that, there is analysis for line managers or quality managers within the system to see are the PPGs that we have up to date? What is due for re review soon? What is overdue for re review? And the beauty of this is that the numbers that you can see there, for example, 126 documents are overdue for review. You can actually click on that number and it will drill down and bring you to those documents, show you who the author is, who the responsible person is, and you can then fire off a notification that those documents are overdue for review. So it enables the management and compliance aspect. Um, those reporting tools are already there and built into the system bespoke to your organization. Another example, uh, and that can be done by date range. This also enables the acknowledgement of documents by all staff roles that should need to acknowledge certain types of documents. So if you took, for example, a guideline on hand hygiene, that can be found in the, in the policies and procedures area through the portal. Uh, all staff who should be following that guideline would receive an automated email to tell them that they must review and acknowledge that document. And when they go into the system to acknowledge it, they will be told that you, by acknowledging this document, you are agreeing to comply with this document. And then the quality manager will receive the notification that that acknowledgement is in place and the staff member has agreed to follow that procedure. Um, so it gives you that peace of mind around compliance. And then you've got the reporting tools there to show the evidence. Other reporting tools, just to give you a snapshot of the, the power of the, the analytics behind this and the intelligence, this is a reporting on incidents. So different incidents by category and trends so that you as a manager can see very quickly if there are any spikes in various types of incidents. And again, these are drillable. So you can click on any of those numbers. You can see that there uh, in 2019, in October of 2019, there is a spike in uh, a certain type of incident. You can click on that and it will actually bring up those incidents and then you can follow those through to the responsible person and contact them to resolve. So it gives you that power so that you don't have to go searching for things. It's all there at the touch of a button. And you can view these in various formats and you can also export them as reports for management meetings. Again, in training, you can demonstrate compliance. So all of your training, uh, mandatory training and the training provided by your organization is uploaded at configuration. And I'll talk about the importance of configuration in a moment. You've got what's completed, what's not completed and training scheduled. And again, you can you can click on those numbers and see what training is not completed so that you can follow those up and ensure that any mandatory training is complied with. And you can do this by date range so that you can look at any point in time to see where you're at with training compliance. Interestingly, as well, for people and for line managers, they can see their own training compliance so they can see their competencies in association with the training that's required for their role. And you can see that this person here, it's just a dummy name as a demonstration, is not yet competent because there are two of the mandatory training courses for their role that are not yet completed. But you can see that they're booked. 
So that means then that person can see, you know, I'm up to date with my training. The ones that need to be renewed are in place. And you can also see renewable, whether something is renewable or not. So many of the trainings obviously have to be renewed kind of every two to three years. Uh, and all of that is tracked through, through the system. So how does all this information get into the system? And this is the important thing about um, digital solutions. They only work if the right information is in place in the, in the first place. And that's why HCI have developed Innovate, which is the project, project to implement this solution. When you're looking at digital transformation, it's not really about the technology, as I said. The technology must be the enabler, but it must enable people. And so HCI work to ensure that that's what happens. And they've developed HCI, or sorry, Innovate in response to that. It's vital that the technology supports strong processes in a way that helps the achievement of best practice. So at this point, any process re-engineering that's needed, policies and procedures are uploaded and fully accessible as required. And the full configuration includes that the staff roles are aligned with automated notifications for document acknowledgement and staff training is completed before go live so that everyone hits the ground running. Really, the portal is quite intuitive um, and, and, and easy to use uh, using your phone uh, and requires very little training. And feedback so far has been very positive on it. It's in, it's in place now in a number of hospitals. I'm also provided, or sorry, I'm available, I should say, to provide any demonstrations that people would want to see or to discuss any aspects of the portal that are, in, uh, are, are of interest. So just to bring you through the project management aspect of it, um, over a three month period, we deploy uh, a senior team from HCI to work with senior management and key staff from your organization to ensure that there's a project plan and a work plan in place with a risk register for the project to ensure that timelines are met and that the final product is what you actually need. Uh, there are monthly project meetings to ensure that everything is uh, going as it should. And we also work on the staff communication program to ensure that staff are actually on board with this. Evidence would suggest that throwing technology at services doesn't necessarily work unless staff can actually see that the value this is going to bring and how it's going to help them to do their jobs. And the output there is the effect of change control um, for you, for your organization. For process development, again, senior management from your organization and key staff who would be responsible for important policies and procedures and guidelines, we bring you through a governance and process review to ensure that any processes that need to be re-engineered can be at that point. And the output is that your policies and procedures can be uploaded into the system, already configured to be um, notifying the relevant staff that those policies and procedures that are relevant to them are on the system. So they will always be seeing the most recent version of any guideline that goes up on the system. And then system design, we configure the system to fit your organization. We complete an implementation report and, and take feedback from you. We also provide a demo system so that people can become familiar with it before it goes live. And the output there is that there's bespoke configuration that works for your organization uh, and that it's ready to go when it goes live. Um, and, th and that process has been built up over time, is now the best practice process uh, and is working very, very well. And that's the really important thing about digital transformation, that you don't put the technology in 
and then start to look at, you know, how can it work for us after the fact? Uh, it's got to be bespoke to how you do your job and how people do their jobs in your organization. Um, it's just my my mantra has has been through working in hospitals, working in healthcare. Um, I've always thought there's got to be a better way. Um, and, and that's kind of been uh, how I've operated going forward over time. Um, and I do believe technology can be an enabler, uh, but I don't believe that we should throw technology at um, healthcare just for the sake of it. And that's always been my mantra as well. So I, I do hope that the demonstration and just the information about why we're looking at digital transformation has been of benefit. Um, I do run a course, uh, a postgraduate course on leading digital health transformation to help people to understand where technology may make an impact um, and, and then how to look for how would you measure the value that technology could have. Um, and, and that's that's what I do. Um, and that's why I became involved with HCI, because the portal itself, I can see, enables compliance. Um, we do have an increasing number of standards in place and also coming down the line. Uh, and it's when looking at the burden of compliance, it's the administration around that. That's the real burden. Um, and demonstrating compliance shouldn't create that burden. Uh, and that's where I think this technology uh, hits its sweet spot, really. And look, I'm available. Uh, feel free to reach out to me um, to talk about any aspect of digital transformation. Um, and thanks all for joining us on the call.